0: Welcome to Hacks and Jacks a Fantasy Baseball Podcast Trade Deadline Edition. I am Joe Galina, and as always, I'm joined by my friend Scott Chu. What a day it's been, Scott. Uh, We're recording this on August 2nd, Tuesday night, 8.50, uh, just a couple hours after the final trades went through on this MLB Trade Deadline Day.
1: Yeah, I mean... What a day! I, obviously, I I recorded a little earlier with uh, Joe Arrico, uh over from Sports Ethos, with you know a lot of cool people, Frank Stamfoll and Eric Cross and Michael Govier, just talking about trades. And what's weird, you know, usually like you're waiting for that big deadline deal, and we got it almost like too early. Right, <laughs> like right. We got, we got we got like the biggest trade deadline deal in history, and then for the rest of the day, like there were some names. But like, it, I mean, obviously nothing close, right? right. So it, it's been, it's been a lot of emotions, but I will say, you know, like it, it was interesting to see the teams that got some deals done, like my own tigers, they were able to trade Robbie Grossman. Let's mm. be clear. He's having a terrible season. He's slugging like two eighty-two. right? They traded him. And then you just think about that compared to all the teams that didn't make a trade like the guardians, they're one game back. That division is why like it's there for the taking. The White Sox didn't do much it. either,
0: you know. <laughs> um, yeah, there were a couple teams that we were surprised that you know didn't really do much. But uh, I get Grossman, I guess a uh, good hitter against lefties. I don't, I don't know. Um, uh, he got traded to the Braves, right? Um, yep. But obviously the the huge deal, and uh, you know, is is the Juan Soto and Josh Bell to the Padres deal and. Like you said, it almost happened too early. I mean, the anticipation was building, and you're following on Twitter, and it's like, hey, you know, it's it's between the Dodgers, the Cardinals, and the Padres, and then you kind of got the notification that the Cardinals got cold feet, didn't want to add Dylan Carlson to the mix, and then little by little, it was obvious that the Padres were just going to get it done, and – Man, I needed a nap after that trade because, man, it was just the, the leading up to it was just so exciting. And then and then it actually happened. You know, I really didn't think that this trade was going to take place.
1: You know, the thing with the Padres is they were in a very unique position. They really want to win a championship. They're very far behind in their own division, which mm-hmm. means they have to win the wild card. That means for them to get aggressive. Right. And not only do they need to get aggressive, but they had the prospect depth to be able to make these moves because, I mean, they didn't just add the best hitter in baseball. They added the best reliever in baseball. Yesterday, they added Josh Hader. So, I mean, they they were able to do this without touching their major league roster. Like, their core major league roster is unharmed. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to give up one bit of today for that which is really difficult to do for players of that caliber, all of whom are under team control for quite some time. Right. Right. At least a couple of years. So they're in a very unique position to do it. And you know what? Thank God for them because they're a team that actually seems like they want to win more baseball games. Right. Like they want to win more baseball games than they were going to win before the trade deadline. It's like it's hard to see a lot of teams like really feeling like they they set themselves up to like win more games. The Padres are going to win more games. Doesn't Mm -hmm. mean they'll catch the Dodgers for the division, but they're going to win more games.
0: And and they're probably going to win a World Series before long. They have to. I mean, look at this, this roster that they've assembled, Manny Machado, Juan Soto. Josh Bell, who they added today. Fernando Tatis is in the wings, ready to come back. Then you look at their their pitching staff. You Darvish, Joe Musgrove, who they just extended, right? Sean Manea, uh, Mike Clevenger. you could just go on and on. And like you mentioned, uh, Josh, Josh Hader, you know, and uh, some other good relievers behind them and Luis Garcia and uh, Nabil Chris I mean, and, you know, for all that has been talked about with the contract extension for Juan Soto, uh, he's not going to be a free agent until 2025. They don't need to do anything, right? Right. They they've basically got a player who is useful
1: for their entire window. Mm -hmm. Where most of their core is around for most of that, right? And under team control. So, like, that's it's a perfect situation for them. It's why you see, like, the biggest deadline deal of all time because you rarely see these kinds of pieces line up. Mm -hmm. A team with the ammunition and the need to pull off such a big move, right? Other teams maybe had the ammunition, but they didn't want to mortgage their future, or that's probably how a lot of teams felt, like the Cardinals. They didn't want to go that deep. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the Cardinals are a team that want to compete every year. And they felt like they were going to have to give up too much of their team to do that. Right. Because no one probably thinks that they can resign Juan Soto. He just turned down half a billion dollars. Right. Like, so you don't feel like you can resign. So every team's thinking, how much do we want to mortgage the future? I think the Padres have it right. It's not mortgaging the future. I've got two or three more seasons. Of, you know, I've got two and a half seasons of this guy.
0: Their future looks pretty bright the next few years, right?
1: <laughs> they have. They, I mean, they have. Tatis has signed
0: for a long-term deal.
1: Yeah. They arguably have the two, like two of the five best hitters on on this planet we call Earth. Mm. Right? Like they're two of the five best hitters locked up for that entire
0: timeline. And, and we're sleeping on Machado, too. Right? <laughs> he's, he's locked up for a long time. He tries. He, sure he struggled of
1: late, but I mean, he was so good early in the season that it hasn't even really affected his like overall fantasy line,
0: right? Right. right.
1: And like again, Josh Bell is not some throw-in. The guy's got a one forty-two RC plus. He's hitting three hundred one, mm-hmm. right? He's got fourteen home runs. He drove in fifty-seven Nationals. I didn't even know they scored that many runs,
0: right? Right. right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah.
1: jo- Josh Bell is a real force, and, and they've been weaker at first base. Mm -hmm. right? Like nothing against like Luke Voigt and Eric Hosmer. But, but those are, those are like barely playoff level first Mm baseman. Right. I'm not saying you can't, I mean, Eric Hosmer has a world series ring; he can do it, but like this stage in his career, he's just a guy, right? He's just a plain right-handed hitter. But Josh Bell is an actual difference maker on offense. Even if he never gets back to the 35 home run guy we saw in 2019, like, Okay, fine. He's a twenty-five to thirty home run guy, depending Absolutely. on how he gets. Yeah, decent With a average, great batting average, mm-hmm. amazing plate discipline. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to age very, very well. Right now, he is a free agent at the end of the year, but he's only on a ten million dollar contract. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's a guy I think that they could really resign if they want to. He'll be thirty by the end of the season, but it's only thirty, and his skill set plays up. So it's he's not one of these guys that relies really heavily on hand-eye coordination or speed or anything like that, things that really deteriorate with age. He relies on patience, timing, and pitch recognition. Like, you can keep those skills for a long time. We see plenty of hitters have those skills for a very long time, right? Like the last national standing, Nelson Cruz. A rough year this year, but he's a decade older than Josh Bell, Mm -hmm. right? Using the same skills that Josh Bell's trying to use, except Josh Bell strikes out less.
0: Right. Right. Um, and you know what? I, I think that this landing spot for Soto uh, couldn't be better. Uh, not only because of the talent around him, but uh, you, Manny Machado, you remember when he first came up and he was pretty uh, a spunky kind of guy, I guess, you know, I don't know if there might be a better adjective for it, but he's really matured, you know? Oh,
1: absolutely. And, it, it's a great landing spot for him. Yeah. Like he's got – All the players you'd want influencing him are like there, Mm -hmm. right? Like he's got like, it's, it's an, like, it's a team that's got a really nice combination of both, uh, veteran, like it's got a veteran presence in Mm -hmm. like Manny Machado. And then they've got plenty of veteran, like they've got veteran pitching, right? They've got a U Darvish, things like that. But they've also got like a really explosive set of youth, right? Even right. after trading away pretty much their entire farm system, they still have Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah,
0: yeah. Right?
1: Like, And I, I wouldn't be like, Juan Soto's the same age as those prospects they shipped, right? He's that age. So is Tatis, right? So it's mm-hmm. not even like they mortgaged their future. Like that was what they had to spare was prospects. Right. Because those guys didn't have anywhere to play right now. mm
0: yeah, I mean, like, they look how up, story
1: Ruiz had to be to even get in the lineup. He had right. to be like amazing. And even then he didn't start every day.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, they did give up talent, you know, and you have to in a trade like this. Mackenzie Gore, you know, C.J. Abrams. Uh, but, hey, like I said, their near time future is really bright. And, and I think that they're going to be favorites or – in contention to be world champions for at least the next few years.
1: Oh, absolutely. I will say this, um, like Robert Hassel, the third and you know, he's, he was well, you know, he was a bit more well-known CJ Abrams, a bit more well-known. He's been on list for a while. Mackenzie Gore, a former top pitching prospect who then kind of got hurt, but then came back, looked good early, struggled a little bit later, but like James Wood is actually the guy in, in the reports. I saw that the nationals considered the top prospect in San Diego. He's a guy that's, his stock has gone way up over the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, he's an outfielder. So is Hassel third. So like, there was the only way these guys were going to sniff playing time, right? right? Was they were going to need to go to a new team. Now, nobody wants, you also have to think about the Nationals. The other thing that just keeps blowing my mind about them is that if people wanted to play in Washington, if Washington wanted to win games, like obviously they won a World Series, but like the the names they've traded in the last four years are basically an all star team <laughs> yeah. between Harper, Scherzer, Turner. They let Rendon walk after like you know because he wanted mm-hmm. a new contract. Like mm-hmm. the, they've got a there's a huge team there. They could well, be they, a real they won a
0: world championship with with those with that you know core right there. So yeah yeah it's amazing. And, and
1: none of the like there's no reason there's no reason they could have they couldn't have just kept winning games, but teams in Major League Baseball think they're broke for some reason. Mm-hmm. There's no broke. The, Pod- the Padres are doing this right. You want, like, it's not just flags fly forever. Oh, It's, do you want, like, they had the chance to get a team that they know can be elite for the next two to three seasons, especially if they continue to supplement with free agency and minor trades. Mm-hmm. That's what you go and do because that's fun baseball. And like, to shift it back to a fantasy perspective, right? Like, don't, think about the world in the, in the terms of compete or dump, right? Like, you don't have to do... Like, all you should be really thinking is, how do I make the best team this year and over the next three to five years? And if you can make moves that let you do both, right? Helps me win this year, helps me win over the next three to five years. Like, you do that every time. That's what the Nats did. There is no fair trade for Juan Soto because he's this really unique commodity. But... If there was going to be a fair trade for him, it would look something like the return the Nationals got.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. What'd you, th- what'd you think about the return that the uh, Brewers got for Josh Hader? Now, Josh Hader, man, they've been dangling him out there. You know, I, I, like I did a Google search because I could swear that the Brewers had kind of mentioned that they were going to listen to offers, and you know, I found articles dating back to twenty nineteen. <laughs> that you know he he's been on the block, and they finally yeah. did, um, you know, get an offer that they liked.
1: Yeah. So a couple reasons for this. Number one, um, they've got a deep bullpen, right? Oh, Former Devin closer, Williams.
0: Yeah, goes right Devin in, Williams, and he's gonna be the closer.
1: Yeah, Devin Williams is you know barely a step down. He's one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. They picked up Matt Bush, who's been really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, a name that you wouldn't think of. They got Taylor Rogers, who was second in the league in saves.
0: Yep, right, right? behind like, who Hater, yeah, Josh Hater, <laughs>
1: right. Uh, Brad Boxberger's getting older, but you know he's got talent. Jake McGee uh, was a closer for the, you know, for the Giants as recently his last year. Yep, right. Um, they picked up Denelson Lamet, who we we know he's got a killer breaking ball. Right, yeah. like yeah, I, he's probably not a starter at this stage in his career, but you right. have to think that this team can do something with the talent that's in that arm.
0: I was shocked that I looked at his numbers. Uh, Obviously, they're not that great because he's had a bad injury history. He's 30 years old already, though.
1: Yeah, but even (laughs) then, right? Because the the Brewers aren't trying to sell out for the future. They feel like they can still compete for the wild card Mm -hmm. or even their division without Josh Hader. And they're thinking about the future. I think they're being a little cheap, but Josh Hader begins arbitration next season, which means his salary is going to increase dramatically. And so if you're the Brewers, your thought process is, yeah, Josh Hader's worth that money, but Devin Williams gets paid a lot less.
0: And, and he's is just about as good. <laughs>
1: exactly, right? So that's their thought is we don't lose much and we save probably $10 million, mm-hmm. right? 8 to $10 million in arbitration salary. So that's why they make that move. They feel like it doesn't make them worse. And then if you're the Padres, it's, they go from not really having a closer uh, because Taylor Rogers got taken out of that role, that's what mm-hmm. happened. You know, in the last week,
0: amazing. Um, I think it was Friday. Friday, the uh, Padres announced that they were going to a committee because uh, Rogers uh, had been slumping in in his last twenty games, seven point four five ERA and five blown saves.
1: Yeah, so they're like, well. It's going to be hard to win a lot of playoff games without a lockdown reliever. Is anyone good out there? Oh, the best one? Okay, yeah. yeah. I guess we'll go get that. With a piece that we can't even fit on our major league roster right now, this year, or probably even for another year or two to come.
0: Hmm. Yep. All right. So, uh, obviously, uh, Padres... did some great stuff. They even traded for Brandon Drury. (laughs) So, I mean,
1: he's actually the one who I think has like one of the bigger changes in their fantasy value. mm -hmm. So, you know, just to kind of go through some of the Padres and like changes to value, like Manny Machado, no change. Juan Soto, no change. Josh Bell, no real change, right? Like nothing that's worth acting on. Um, like a couple other guys maybe move down in the lineup, like Jake Cronenworth moves down in the lineup, but that's fine because he's hitting behind like some of the best hitters, you know, in this universe and like other guys, like it's maybe a bit of a bummer for folks who have been riding the, the Nomar Mazzara. Uh, you know, they probably picked him up off waivers and have just been kind of riding that. He's been sort of hot. He's out of the lineup now, right? Juan Soto takes that job. Mm-hmm. Juan, Juan Soto is now the big lefty, you know, big lefty outfielder. So, you know, I kind of, kind of get that, but, you know, I think the guy who loses the most value is probably Brandon Drury. He had really been taking advantage of the small confines of Great American Ballpark. Yep. And his home roads, I'm not saying he's bad on the road. Like this isn't a this isn't a like a, he's good on he's good at home, bad on the road. It was that he was spectacular at home and merely good on the road, right? His mm-hmm. OPS on the road uh 750, 775 something like that, and then at home it was over 900. Right? So like a good OPS, but not the masher that he is in Great American Ballpark. So he gets, it's like maybe a tiny bit down, but again, there's still like, it's not like you need to cut the guy, right? And it's not like you really need to do anything because while he will probably lose some power numbers and he may lose OPS, remember that OPS isn't the same as runs in RBI. And I think he'll get plenty of those. He's slated to hit behind Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Josh Bell. You tell me one of those guys won't be on base when he hits a double.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just what's going to happen. Just pick up some of their scraps. Yeah.
1: Right. So <laughs> even if those home runs turn to doubles, a couple of them are going to be outs. a couple of them will be doubles, but they're going to be doubles with friggin' guys on base. Yeah. Right. So they'll turn into RBI. So anything you lose, like on one hand, it's a big impact because like you're going to probably see ratios look a little different than they had before and what you have to hope. And I think it's a decent hope and thought is that sure the ratios will come down, but what I'll get the home runs and ratios go down, but I'll make it back up and runs an RBI at mm-hmm. least to the point where I don't have to do anything drastic. And this is still an everyday starter for my fantasy team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, Kind of, I like the Brandon Drury story. Kind of uh, like a, a post hype sleeper, where a few years back, a lot of fantasy anal- analysts and a lot of fantasy managers were really in on him, uh, but uh, didn't deliver until till now. And uh, good analysis on your part. No need to cut him. I agree. But um, yeah, let's move away from from the Padres. And um, obviously, we're not going to cover every single trade, but uh, uh, Luis Castillo. Traded to the Mariners for minor leaguers Noel V. Marte, Levi Stout, Edwin Arroyo, and Dylan Moore. Now, uh, my Yankees had been on Luis Castillo, and uh, uh, he, along with uh, Frankie Montas, were probably the two most coveted uh, starters uh, um, around uh, this uh, trade deadline. So, uh, Mariners now in real life, I mean, they've been red hot, you know, the past uh, few weeks. Uh, but in, in real life, if they could make it into the playoffs, you know, Robbie Ray and Luis Castillo at the top. Uh, nice one-two punch.
1: Yeah. Logan Gilbert's pitched well as, you know, on the same token, George Kirby's there. If they want, if they want to use him, if Mm -hmm. they can't use them as starters, they can move them into longer levers. If Robbie Ray is maybe a little off that day, Mm -hmm. something like that. I think it gives them more pitching depth. And then of course their, their bullpen's been fantastic, right? Paul Sewald, Andres Munoz, Matthew Festa. These are guys that have really, really
0: been good. So it's been uh, a fluid situation too, you yeah, know? Uh,
1: yeah. So, and, and like and this, this ignores the fact, like not only that, but like their IL is loaded, right? Like Julio Rodriguez obviously went on the IL quite recently with uh right with like a right wrist bruise. I think it was, uh, they've got, um, you know, Mitch Haniger still on the IL he'll be back soon. So not only is this team kind of like, you know, they're rebuilding, but they also get pieces back just mm-hmm. from health and activations, right? Yep, yep. Like, you know, right now they're kind of forced starting Jesse Winker every single day when he probably doesn't need to be starting every single day, right? He's just not that kind of player right now. But once Mitch Hanniger comes back, what have you got? You've got a righty-lefty combination right there. You right. can either have it with Winker or you can have it with Kyle Lewis over in right field. Um, you, You know, all of a sudden this team may not have the superstar powers many other teams in the American League, but they've got depth, right? The lineup, the lineup has performed. I mean, Jared Kellenick, who'd been playing really well in AAA.
0: And then every he time catcher, he comes to the major leagues, can't uh, hit his way out of a paper bag.
1: Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's only been two games. Oh, but, cool. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, like Jared Kelly, Kyle Lewis is back now. Cal rayleigh has been pretty good mm-hmm. uh, playing catcher for them. Eugenio yeah. Suarez has power found hitter. that power stroke. Uh, JP Crawford, Carlos Santana's resurging Ty, Fr- I mean, this is a scrappy team top to bottom, mm-hmm. right? Again, it's not the star power of the Yankees, right? But it's, it's top to bottom. It's deep. Now the bench, I hate, like, I don't love the bench they have right now, but the starting lineup is good. And there are some pieces that are going to come off the IL at some point that can be useful, right? Obviously Julio Rodriguez coming up, that gives them a lot more depth. Mitch Hanniger gives them more depth. They did, uh, they made another trade. They, they you know, the Kurt Casali trade, which is really just a backup catcher because, you know, this is really, you know, Cal Raley's still a young catcher. He's 25. It takes a long time for catchers to develop. They need another one that can be good. The other ones haven't been great. So they've got another guy they can rely on. This team's just trying to be really deep. Even if this isn't their year, I think they're also really set up to compete next year.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, and with that, maybe we should take a quick break. And I, I mentioned Frankie Montas and um, my Yankees made made some moves there, Scott, that I want to talk about. Get your opinion on. And we'll I can not about- believe
1: we didn't lead with that, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> the restraint you're showing is just how, fantastic. How,
0: how could I ignore the uh, one of the biggest trades in baseball history? Uh, but we'll be right back right after this.
2: Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a P.O. Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to All of our podcast hosts and staff, plus you can hang out with our incredible Pitcherless community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherless.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code
0: All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. And uh, right before we took our quick break, uh, Scott was making fun of me because I didn't uh, lead off with my Yankees <laughs> and their uh, their moves. Uh, what would you think uh, there, Scott? So with, let's just go over a couple of them here. Um, last week the yankees traded for andrew benintendi uh top of the lineup uh base type of player right um power's been slipping lately but as a lefty maybe takes advantage of uh, that short right field porch you know kind of a 16 homer you know 15 stolen base kind of guy
1: yeah i mean he's he's not the you know top 5 young player that he was when he originally debuted with Boston, right? We thought this might be a 2020 guy, 25.5 yes, guy, uh, great batting average. Didn't quite work out that way. I mean, he had a 2020 season uh, back in 2017. And then since then, uh, you know, the power and the speed have really kind of dipped. But, you know, this year the power's way, way down. Okay. Uh, part of that's probably playing in Kansas City, but – Playing in Kansas City shouldn't take away, you know, he played in Kansas City last year too and got 17 home runs. So, but he has really improved the plate discipline. So he's walking a lot more than he had previously, striking out a lot less. It's given him a great batting average. You know, it gives the Yankees, I mean, the Yankees, it's weird because the Yankees didn't really need him, but apparently they probably just didn't believe that much in Matt Carpenter. Um, So they went to go get themselves a guy, you know, who obviously can field better then Carpenter can a guy who can, you know, just do
0: a little bit more. Um. I mean, you could always use a guy that, you know, 350 lifetime OBP. Um, you know, I mean, you know, Aaron Hicks has been slumping and you know, he's come on lately. But, you know, and then uh, eventually, uh, you know, Joey Gallo got traded today. Uh, so eh, to say that they didn't need him, I mean, you could always use a guy at the top of your lineup that gets on base when you have all these power hitters. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I
1: should mention, you know, you brought up Aaron Hicks. He's likely to lose playing time if and when uh Harrison Bader can get healthy again because Harrison Bader is a top-notch defensive center fielder. Yeah. Uh he also adds some speed to a team that doesn't have a lot of stolen base threats. Right. Right? Like right. if you look at this lineup, you wonder who could steal more than 10 bases. I think their best base stealer is Anthony Rizzo.
0: <laughs> well Honestly, i mean like, ikf could steal some bases oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could, yeah. Um, I mean, and, and now uh <laughs> you know benitendi could steal a couple <clears throat> as well but you're right they're not the go-go yankees definitely right not. so having
1: <laughs> yeah so so having bader adds an element to their team i don't think that they had uh
0: you know previously so so that's a big deal i'll be honest but with it, you it's just a quick break Um, I was a little surprised with the addition of Harrison Bader. And and just an aside, uh, uh, that trade – The uh, Yankees picked up Harrison Bader from the Cardinals and traded away Jordan Montgomery. I I was a little surprised with that trade. Uh, I was a little surprised they gave up on Jordan Montgomery, even though he's been slumping lately. But you look at Harrison Bader, great, great glove, right? And also, like Benintendi, a 15-15 guy, 15-homer, stolen base guy. Now, Benintendi is going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Bader is on the IL, like you mentioned, with a heel uh, injury. Other than the fact that not, you know, possibly going to walk in free agency, I was a little surprised at the move. So I was thinking about this, and when I was on
1: uh, the a trade deadline show earlier today, I, I sort of brought this up. The Yankees care about having three pitchers; they need three because they're going to be playing in October, and in yeah. October they need three, mm-hmm. right? And they've got them. They've got Garrett Cole, Frankie Montes, and some
0: combination. Uh, Cortez, Louis, Nasty Nestor, yeah, yeah, and Luis Severino when he's healthy. Right. Unfortunately, he's going to be out till mid to late September. Now they right, but season. healthy in October, which is great. Yeah, <laughs> right. So <laughs> if you look at the
1: Yankees as a team playing for October, where does Jordan Montgomery fit on that October roster? Mm-hmm. Right. Do you like, do you take him over Jamison Tyone? Yeah, like yeah, you probably take him over Domingo Herman. But that's over, that's as like a fifth starter. Mm-hmm. So if if he makes it, you squeeze him as a fifth starter. So instead of that, you go. What do we need? Well, you know, it would be nice is if we can get him healthy by October, because we care about October, Harrison Bader as a defensive center fielder, either because we like the platoon matchup, or even if Aaron Hicks is starting the game, we can take out Aaron Hicks. We can put in Harrison Bader. Mm -hmm. We can pinch run him. We can have him be a defensive replacement. It adds something to this team they didn't have. And even with it, you know, they don't get to play all their games at home. They're going to have other, you know, they're going to play other games where the outfields are bigger than they are in New York, right? You're going to want that rangy, uh, you know, that rangy center fielder to do that, it's a lot easier to find a place on this roster for uh, Harrison Bader because he could take the place of Marwin Gonzalez in a heartbeat, right? Sure. It's easy to find a place for him, you know, in a sense that it's much harder to find that place for Jordan Montgomery. And as far as Jordan Montgomery goes, like, unfortunately, this is kind of a hit to his fantasy value, right? Because like the Cardinals are a decent team, but it's not the free wins you are getting with the Yankees, mm-hmm. Right. Because, you know, the Cardinals aren't going to hit three home runs a day from this dude named Aaron Judge. Like that, they, they well, don't have and that. They, guy, don't, so.
0: and they don't lead the major leagues and run scored. <laughs>
1: right. Right. Yeah. So the margin for error for Jordan Montgomery gets a little worse. Even if you, you know, even after you factor in the improvement for home ballpark. And there's some weird, uh, those, you know, those uh, early, you know, those early afternoon games in, St. Louis can get real weird, especially as you get later in the year, because the shadows cover the, uh, I can't remember which one it is. I think the shadows cover the batter's box, but not the pitcher. Hmm. Right. So like, you know, it, you get some benefit from that, but it doesn't cancel out all the wins you were getting. So, no. you know, his margin for error is now a lot smaller. Again, he's not like some cut. If he's been rosterable in your leagues, you can hold on to him. Of course he was more of a streamer in maybe 10 team leagues, but, the deeper you get, the more you keep him. You just realize that you might get slight ratio boosts, maybe, but you're going to lose the wins.
0: What do you think about uh, Benintendi's fantasy value and Harrison Bader's fantasy value once he returns?
1: Yeah. So Bader's. Has changed? Uh, yeah, so Bader, yeah, Bader's mostly unchanged, right? Because there's also, you know, I'm not quite sure where he'll hit in this lineup, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's down 7, 8, 9, right? Yeah. Um, And a lot of what he was doing, you know, I'm not sure a lot of the stuff he was doing before the break is, you know, necessarily him. He was showing a pretty different batted ball profile. He was showing, you know, some different plate discipline. He was, he was being, you know, he was much better. He had been stealing a ton of bases uh, to start, but that's, you know, that's probably going to change. I think his fantasy value was already kind of shot because he's probably not coming back until September, Mm -hmm. right? Like He's had some setbacks with that foot. It's hard to say exactly when he'll be back. So the real fantasy value comes from Andrew Benintendi, um, assuming he gets vaccinated. I can't remember if he was one of the unvaccinated Royals. He was. but uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So him and Whit Merrifield both got traded. Yeah. Merrifield goes to Toronto. To Toronto of all places. However, (laughs) I will say this about that uh, for both Benintendi and Whit Merrifield. I'm not sure they care about the Royals telling them to get vaccinated for this one series. Yeah. Yeah. But but if you want to play for a championship, you just got to get poked in the arm. I think these guys are getting
0: field. I'm paraphrasing here, but that's what, uh, people were ticked off at him. He said, uh, basically, what you just said is that, hey, if I was playing for a contender, maybe I'd consider getting vaccinated. Uh,
1: but <laughs> they haven't given him any reason to. Yeah, right. I mean, like obviously, there's the social, moral, and ethical reasons why you should do it. And your but, health, uh, you know. But, but yeah, like there's a lot of good reasons to do it. But the reason he wanted was because I'm contending for a world championship, and now he's got it. Right, so mm-hmm. I think these guys get vaccinated. I'm not super concerned about that. Actually, the Yankees do have several players that are vaccinated, but uh, which would be a real problem in the regular season. It's one thing, but when the playoffs come, if those two teams have to play each other, that gets really awkward in a hurry. Right, right, because you need you don't need those guys for a regular season game. You can get through a series without somebody, but you you don't want to go through a playoff series without them.
0: Right. Supposedly, it sounds like Ben uh, Benintendi was going to, or did get vaccinated as, you know, supposedly that wasn't an issue anymore, but I guess yeah. we'll find out.
1: But, but, you know, I think he's the one that gets the value boost because he's a guy that because of, you know, he's a, he's a pretty high contact guy. Doesn't have a ton of power. Doesn't have a ton of speed. That means the way he makes his fantasy bucks is volume. He's got to be in lineups. He's got, you need it so that every hit gets a runner in RBI, mm-hmm. right? Like every time – like that's what you need because he's not going to dr- – like he's not going to drive himself in that often. He's not going to steal bases.
0: i tell you that runs category could be tough and, uh, you know, Benintendi in this lineup is – you know, he's going to score a lot of runs.
1: Yeah, so so that's really a big change for him, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where you really get the value there. Like even hitting fifth, like the runs, RBIs, whatever, he – it sort of reminds you of like a DJ LeMahieu. Now that DJ LeMahieu isn't hitting 30 home runs anymore, because mm-hmm. uh, he did after he did for that one magical season. Um, the way DJ LeMahieu drives fantasy value is the batting average and then the, the high rate of hits turning to runs or RBI. Mm-hmm. Benintendi's got that now, whereas in Kansas City, it was the actual opposite, right? He was not likely to, like, he probably had a lot of two for four days with no stats, just two hits, right? So his value goes up in all formats right. because he, I mean, especially in Roto and categories, but also in points, just because again, with points, there's two ways you score. You score in the batter's box and you score on bases, right? And Benintendi was not scoring on bases. His batter's box damage was limited to hits. And then on bases, it was hard for him to get driven home as, as a Yankee right? He just, he's going to drive in more runners. And even if the back half of that Yankee lineup, like I can't imagine Josh Donaldson doesn't get platooned at some point. He's just not yeah. that good. Yeah. Uh, and it feels like Matt Carpenter, former third baseman could easily move, like move into a, you know, a platoon where if you have a platoon of Carpenter and Donaldson, all of a sudden that's a much stronger thing, especially in a playoff mm-hmm. game.
0: Yep, right. Mm-hmm.
1: So I think, I do think that's going to happen. Matt Carpenter is probably the biggest loser because the Yankees added two outfielders. Mm-hmm. And so Carpenter no longer really has a place to play except to force Josh Donaldson into a timeshare.
0: And you know what, the way Donaldson has been hitting that that's a very real possibility. Very yeah. Real. I
1: mean, I just don't see another way that happens. I really, the only other way is it's some sort of unfortunate injury to a middle infielder, like a Gleyber Torres or an mm-hmm. IKF, mm-hmm. Uh, because then, you know, Gleyber Torres isn't DH anymore. He can, play the base, but, but even then, and then Stanton comes back, it gets really convoluted. So yeah. uh, Matt, you know, Matt Carpenter, it stinks because I thought he could be re- a really useful contributor hitting, you know, near the middle of that lineup. Like he had been, mm-hmm. but now he's only probably going to play. He's only, he's going to play against righties, but he's only going to play against righties and that's going to make it tough for him to carry value in standard 10 and 12 teams. Mm-hmm. So and, uh... and then even in 15 teamers, he's, You've really got to you've really got to be looking at that schedule to see how many lefties because if two or more lefties are on the docket, it's hard to start Matt Carpenter because he's going to sit at least twice.
0: Right, right, all right. So the Yankees also picked up uh, Frankie Montas and Lou Trevino from the A's. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, a bit of a boost for Frankie Montas, even though he was. You know, highly regarded stony pitcher, but uh, pitching with uh, the Yankee offense behind him, obviously, that's a that's a nice little boost. Lou Trevino had been the A's closer. And we, we had talked about, you know, closers being traded at the trade deadline and them losing their jobs and whatnot, not being a closer in their new team. Uh, and that's the case here. Um, But Trevino uh, had been having a, a tough year, then kind of been pitching better lately. Um, also has that power sinker like Clay Holmes and the Yanks think that maybe, uh, they could figure out, you know, how they could improve that, that power sinker like they did with Clay Holmes. But, um, so fantasy implications here. Obviously, is not going to be closing for the Yankees. But, uh, looking at the A's, uh, Danny Jimenez is still hurt. So, uh, next man up, Zach Jackson and maybe even AJ Puck. But for now, Zach Jackson, um, is the A's closer. And for a team that doesn't win that many games, I was looking at their total numbers, total number of saves. uh, They actually have quite a few, you know, for a team. Yeah, that's because
1: every, every win is a save opportunity, (laughs) right? It's not like the Yankees where they win 16 to two. A's ain't beating nobody 16 to two, right? When they win, it's three to two.
0: Right. So just, just put the Astros in front of the A's and they'll, they'll show you what they can do.
1: Yeah. Right. (laughs) Uh, The, you know, with the A's, uh, I, as far as like talent is concerned, I really like AJ Puck there, right? Mm-hmm. I, I know I really wish he had been able to become a starter. I just don't think that's going to work, and I think the A's have the right idea by putting him in the bullpen. I think he can be a lights out reliever for them. However, Zach, Jan- Zach Johnson's been that sort of eighth inning. Ja- Zach Jackson's been that eighth inning guy for them. Um, he, you know, he was he wasn't really a well regarded prospect or anything, but he is pitching really well. He probably. He was walking too many guys. He's really fixed that of late. I think he's at like six straight appearances without a walk, maybe seven now. So, you know, that that's a big deal. He's, he's doing better, but the strikeouts have also come down, right? Like his last four appearances, he's got one strikeout. Now, a lot of them are one-out appearances – What's going to be weird here is I wouldn't be shocked if the A's do sort of platoon this though, because they have this very convenient righty lefty split, right? So Zach Jackson, right-handed AJ puck left-handed, they can just pick and choose which one they want to use. So I think that's a very realistic possibility, but if I had, if I have to just pick one to speculate on, I actually really want AJ puck because I also think he's more valuable when he's not getting saves too, mm-hmm, right? Cause mm-hmm. at least lots of strikeouts, he's got good ratios. He's got a lot of upside. So I like that. And then of course Lu Trevino's droppable in every league everywhere, even saves holds. There's no real format. You really need to save him. Um, because he's not that great of a pitcher. He his his fantasy value is entirely role dependent and it's long gone. He's not gonna sniff a closer's role. He's like eighth in line <laughs> in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for Montes, it's sort of the the opposite of what I was talking about, Jordan, with Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery's going to a place where the ballpark is more friendly, but the team context is a bit worse. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas Montas goes to a place that's probably significantly less pitcher friendly, the Oakland Coliseum. It's giant foul territory. It's got (laughs) large. It's
0: big. It's a mausoleum. Yeah, Yeah,
1: it's huge. (laughs) So that was really really helpful for him. Where now he's going to a place where fly he'll get punished for fly balls more. Mm -hmm. But thankfully he's got good enough stuff that you know he's that's not it. That's not as big of a concern. And, of course, the wins now are way more achievable. Sure. For Frank Montes, He can have a bad day and still get a win. That was never going to happen in Oakland. And and also,
0: he he goes deeper into games, too, than a lot of starters in baseball. 15 of his first 16 starts, he went at least five innings. So he'll be in there for a win.
1: Yeah, his value in quality starts leagues – It's pretty much, you know, the same, maybe weirdly, slightly worse, if only because you don't care about the wins in a quality start league. So all you're going to see is potentially some ratio, but also you're talking about a guy Then you start adding in the human element, which you never want to forget about. He's going from probably like one of the worst teams in baseball to the, you know, one of the best teams in baseball, Mm -hmm. right? He... He's I mean, these
0: guys are competitive. Excuse me. They are right now the best team of baseball.
1: Uh, Yeah. So (laughs) so when he you know, when he when he gets over there, he gets to wake up in the morning and go, I might win a World Series. I guarantee you before today, he was not waking up and thinking that the A's were not going to the World Series in any parallel universe. Right. I don't care how many MCU universes you get. Multiverse of madness. Don't care. Right. (laughs) Like it's not going to happen. You know, there's there's no universe where that team was going to the world series where there's a very real universe. It might be this one that the Yankees go to the World Series. That's a huge factor. For some guys, it's pressure turns negative, right? Joey Gallo very famously had kind of been saying, like, I hate I feel playing. So
0: here. bad for that guy. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Hated playing there. Right? So good for him. It's funny, he didn't go to a smaller market. He probably went to the only city that's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> then. But but the fans from a, a totally great different. team
0: in first place in the American League to these uh, an equally great team uh in first place in the National League. So yeah, I wish, it I wish him hit. the best. Yeah. Yeah,
1: but but good for him. Uh you know what's what's interesting about the Dodgers who who now by acquiring Joey Gallo have this really interesting their seven eight nine right now is something that two years ago was a three four five. It's mm. Max Muncy, Cody Bellinger,
0: Joey Gallo. Amazing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like
1: amazing how like that, that team's so deep that Max Muncie, Cody Ballinger stink this year and it doesn't affect their win total. Mm-hmm. Like any other team that loses two hitters of that magnitude to slumping, like they're screwed. Mm-hmm. It, like it crushes them. Right. Um, it, like even, even a team like the Nats, they lose two hitters. They go from bad to hilariously bad, right? Like the, the Dodgers lose those guys. It doesn't even matter.
0: Think about Jacob DeGrom making his first start in about a year against uh, what my buddy Frankie Stanfield tweeted out, uh, uh, a triple-A roster.
1: <laughs> That's generous. It's double-A. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. Yeah. But, of course, the, the Mets right now are losing five to one
0: right amazing
1: <laughs> baseball doesn't make sense you know and he's still opting out
0: and degrom is still going to opt out which is you know, the discussion for another day but uh we'll see degrom of course didn't give up
1: those runs he went five innings pitch runner and run six strikeouts so very mm. degrom like yeah uh,
0: over a uh, hundred i saw one pitch over 100 miles an hour so yeah no walks he, looked, he, looked he was fantastic mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So. Um. So we t- talked a little bit about. Uh. You know. Closers being traded. Uh. Jorge Lopez, Baltimore Orioles closer, gets traded to the Twins. Uh. What do you think that does to his fantasy value? Does he now become the de facto closer? Uh. For the Twins.
1: Yeah. I think you know. he does. I think. I think Joan Duran is going to be a. You know. Their fireman. Uh. They also acquired. Tigers reliever, Michael Fulmer. Yeah. So I think that gives them more depth. Uh, Tyler Duffy has been good this season. Gr- uh, Griffin Jax has been pretty good. Emilio Pagan very recently starts to look, is starting to look like he's turning things around. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, they've got some bullpen depth now, which really helps because their rotation is not as deep as their American league counterparts. And if they want to get deeper than one round in these playoffs, they needed depth, right? If you can't get star power, get, you know, just get ammunition, get as many good arms as you can get so that you can mix and match whenever possible. Granted, it's an extremely right-handed bullpen. Uh, they have one lefty in it right now. Uh, and I'm not sure they're going to get more. (laughs) Like it's not like, you know, whatever, but I do think that this team, you know, this team is, is a bit better now. They've got a real closer. Uh, they've got two guys that can close. If Lopez goes down for any reason, he's faltered a bit lately. Um, I think you know it, it's it's a great addition for them. Mm-hmm. And so his fantasy value strangely doesn't change a ton because the Orioles had been playing really well. Mm-hmm. Right poor Orioles fans. They have the strength
0: great- was their bullpen.
1: Yeah. Uh and, and so I mean the the real fantasy winner here is Felix Batista yes. uh, over over in Baltimore. He's the closer now. He's worth, you know, he's worth the fab. This is another team that sort of like the A's, they can still get plenty of saves even yes. as a worse team. They can still mm-hmm. get plenty of saves. Yeah. So uh, but but for the you know for the Twins, if you had Jorge Lopez, he goes from a guy that's starting to look shaky and might start seeing Felix Batista steal saves to a guy who is pretty much locked in. I don't think the the Twins are super keen on using John Duran as a closer. Otherwise, they would have by now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you, uh, Felix Batista, uh, a guy you should be targeting this weekend um, on the waiver wire. Um, keep an eye out. Keep him on your watch list. Uh, CNL Perez who's been pitching lights out for the Orioles as well, uh, 1.25 ERA on the season. And like I, I kind of mentioned before, their strength this year, has, the Orioles, has been their bullpen. So um, good stuff there. And it's I'm glad to see because I, I do have uh, Jorge Lopez and TGFBI, so I'm glad to see that you don't think that he's going to uh, lose any fantasy value. So I'm holding you to it, but uh, twins also twins were active, uh, picked up Tyler Malley, uh, starting pitcher from the Reds, highly regarded, had a really good season uh, last year. Not so good. This this season was 13 and six, 3.75 ERA. Maybe getting out of that little ballpark will help him out.
1: I mean, your buddy, Frank Stample, uh was on that trade show with me and I think he made a great point. The, the player who got the biggest boost to their value on trade deadline day is probably Tyler Molly,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Because he goes from a, a really difficult place to pitch, which is the Cincinnati Reds, yep. uh, great American ballpark, and he had not pitched well there at all, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so all of a sudden, now he goes to, uh, he play, he gets to play for the Twins, Target Field. It's a fairly pitcher-friendly venue. Uh, a much better offense to support him, like that. Reds offense should be a lot better than it's been, uh, but it just hasn't for whatever reason. A-, a piece is always broken this year. It's Nick Castellanos, but last year, you know, it was it was other guys, right? Mm-hmm. So he gets a better team context. He gets a better ballpark. He gets you know rejuvenated as a team with a team that is absolutely playing for you know for a division, you know, for their division or for you know the wild card. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's big for him. He's not available on your wires, but if you have him, you just got a big
0: boost. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, uh, I have the Yankee game on in the background and Scott Efros, who the Yanks just uh, traded for from the Cubs is in, and it's the seventh inning. Yanks losing seven, six. Uh, but uh, I loved the pickup of Efros. He's under uh, team control for several years. A Good young pitcher. He's uh and as it stands now, looks like he he might be the guy behind Clay Holmes.
1: No, no, I, I absolutely agree. I think that's I think that's what he is. This, this team's had some bad luck with relief pitching, right? Like uh, I'm if you would ask me two months ago if this team was going to need to acquire bullpen pieces, I would have slapped you in the face. Right. I'm they had a oh, right? Chapman was still fine. Clay Holmes was lights out. Michael yeah. King was lights out. Jonathan yeah. loisaga was pitching. Well, they had Chad Green. They had all these guys and they're all gone mm-hmm. in one way or another. So Chapman's just, you know, he's, he's pitching in middle relief. loisaga still, you know, he's still good, but he's not nearly the one he was. Yeah, Clay Holmes not, not. faltering yeah. just a bit, you know, just a bit. Mm-hmm. Michael, you know, Michael King, Chad Green, they're on the IL. <clears throat> so Zach you know, Britton and, on the IL. Zach, yeah, they, and and it's not like they're on short stint either. I mean, these right. guys are these guys are quite injured, right? So Chad Green had Tommy John, Zach Britton had Tommy John, Michael King has a fractured elbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, these guys are these guys are quite hurt. Yeah, so they they got some bullpen help. I was surprised they didn't go after a guy like a Michael Fulmer or something like that. But again, they mm-hmm. got Scott F Ross, So that's just as good. He's not a knows? rental. Maybe either. they might've
0: made a phone call. We don't know. I mean, yeah. You know.
1: and, and you know, Lou Trevino, obviously he was a closer. He he's not great, but you know, he was, they, they probably got him as a throw in in that deal. And that works out, I think really well for them. Cause it's, it's depth. Yeah. It's depth for a guy who knows how to pitch in, in high leverage innings. He's not great, but a three and a half ERA reliever ain't bad.
0: Right. And I will say, you know, maybe I'm being a homer, but the Yanks' uh, pitching coach Matt Blake has really done a great job with this Yanks' uh, pitching staff. And like I mentioned, I mean, Clay Holmes was a, a good pitcher when they traded for him and got him last trade uh, deadline from from the Pirates, and look what he's become. So you know, maybe uh, the Yanks could could help him out with that that power sinker. I'm just just saying. Um, but uh, let's talk about uh, some more closers that were moved today. This one kind of surprised me, but I guess uh, the Angels uh, are just throwing in the towel. Rysel Iglesias gets traded to the Braves. And on paper, I mean, you got to say that this is going to kill his fantasy value because he's likely pitching behind Kenley Jansen.
1: He is pitching behind Kenley Jansen, but it can't hurt his fantasy value any more than the month of July did. If I'm not mistaken, Ryzel Iglesias never lost his job, but he did blow a save struggled in another appearance and only had one save for the entire month. Mm-hmm. He, as a closer, he had one save a closer for a team that has talent. He got one save for a whole month. It's wild to me. Um, so his fantasy value, he doesn't change that much. Uh, he does, you know, he does go in behind. I know that they traded Will Smith. Um, yeah. Know, so the, uh, the Astros. The one thing about this deadline that doesn't really matter for fantasy purposes, but I mean, maybe it does. If you want to try to translate it into your actual leagues, the weirdest thing to me is the number of contenders that traded with other contenders, right? There's a very pervasive fantasy mindset, which is you don't trade with people that are contending. Mm-hmm. Right. But, A lot of contenders did just that right now. Most of it was cross league AL trading to NL, so that if I see you, it's only in the World Series. Right. But it it was interesting to see. I mean, even Jordan Montgomery to the Cardinals that's a team trying to contend in their own special way.
0: Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, The, you know, a lot of teams just shipping, shipping guys that are part of teams that are contending. So it, his value obviously drops. It went from fringe value to none. Right. Right. Like that, that's really the big thing for Rice Iglesias. He, he went from had a really bad month. You were thinking about cutting him and now you don't have to think anymore. You can just cut him.
0: Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Uh, with the season that he put together last year and all of a sudden now he's cuttable.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the, the main, life of a closer. Yeah. That's the hardest thing about relief pitching, especially, you know, if you play in keeper or dynasty leagues, unless they're an elite closer, uh, one, the variance from year to year for relievers can be really rough because they only throw 50, 60 innings these days, right? You don't see 80, 90, 100-inning relievers anymore. Right. It's just not its not common, right? The Chris Davinskis of the world from the 2016 Astros or whatever, you just don't have that, mm-hmm. 100 innings. You're just not going to see it. So uh, it, their role in fantasies, it's entirely role-based. Are you a closer or not? And Rizal Iglesias is probably the next man up. But even if, even if something were to happen to Kenley Jansen, if he were unfortunately have more issues with his heart or something like that, Rizal Iglesias probably shares that job with AJ Minter, just like Will Smith did.
0: Right. right.
1: Because where Will Smith probably should have been the guy because he and Minter are both lefties. Iglesias is a righty, Minter's a lefty. It's a very natural, uh, it's a very natural number two and three behind your closer, Right, teams like to have two setup guys, one right-handed, one left-handed based on the lineups that they're going to see, right? A lot of teams uh, that are in the race have a lot of left-handed hitters, so it makes sense to have, you know, both available. So yeah, anyway, his value is totally gone.
0: No. Yeah. What do you think about uh David Robertson's fantasy value now? He gets traded from the Cubs where he was their closer had a really nice season um and gets traded to the Phillies. And so now uh, from what I uh, heard, uh, Rob Thompson, the manager for the Phillies wouldn't commit to having one closer, uh, no, but
1: he master uh, for as far as fantasy goes, he masterfully found a way to deflate the value of all three relievers <laughs> in Philly, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. right? Dominguez, Robertson and hand now are all going to sort of cannibalize each other. Maybe one of them, you know, emerges as the winner but david robertson isn't the type whose talent is like so great that he forces you to have him be your closer right he's a setup he's a setup guy in a lot of other playoff teams so uh they went from having you know you could sort of like pick your battles like oh you know in deeper leagues i I can roster either sir anthony dominguez or Brad hand both of them are getting saves here and there uh you know if anyone saves hold league if they don't get a save they'll get a hold and now all three of them have their value take a hit in both save and save plus hold leagues. Hmm. That's rough.
0: Yeah. So if you're an individual who's used David Robertson as your closer, you know, uh, as one you of you need better closer. closer. Yeah.
1: I mean, you just you just do if because a lot of fantasy league trade deadlines are coming up, and if you had David Robertson and you needed his saves, you're not getting them. Like the, the number of like the, the range of outcomes, like, yes, there's a chance he becomes the sole closer in Philly. There's a, you know, if he's absolutely lights out, they could do that. The thing is, even if he's able to do that, it would probably take the rest of this month to get there. Right? Like, because the, so you'll have a closer for what a month. Right. And we just saw with El Glacius. you can have a month where you only get one save. Right. Right. One, one or two bad luck days. And then your team, when they win, they win by a lot. All of a sudden you don't have a lot of saves. So, you know, all three of these guys, I think in 10 team leagues, I do think they're all droppable. And in a 12 team league, it depends on how desperate you are for saves. But if you're pretty comfortable, you can consider dropping them. If you have more significant needs elsewhere, it's not uncommon for, Uh, committee closers to be on the wire in a lot of 12-team formats.
0: Right. Um, Hey, quick, I meant to ask you this a couple of seconds ago, but when you said that this was a little bit of a strange uh, trade deadline where teams that were in contention were trading with each other, when it comes to fantasy, if a team, I try not to trade with teams that are uh, ahead of me in the standings? Because when I make a, a, a trade in fantasy, I do try to make it a deal where I I win and you win. So I don't like to have a team that's ahead of me in the standings win. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Do you, do, you, do you, how do you handle your trades in, in fantasy?
1: So in Keeper and Dynasty, you really don't have to trade with those teams, right? Especially because they're unlikely to give up any piece that's helping their major league roster right now. Mm-hmm. right? Um, so they're tougher to trade with, but in a redraft league, those are the folks that will actually trade with you, right? They're the ones that are still active. A lot of your leagues are going to football soon, right? That means your active trade partners may well be your contenders. You can make these trades happen. You've got to be really smart about it. You can't try to fleece these folks, right? Because if they're still paying to fan, if they're still paying attention to fantasy baseball in August, it probably means they know a thing or two about it. Mm -hmm. right? Because otherwise they're they're at football now. So uh, you can make these trades, but you really have to be sure that that while you can make the other team think that they're getting the good end of the deal or a fair deal, where by your estimation, you're winning, right? And I don't mean winning on some Twitter poll, right? I don't care about those. Look at the needs of your team, statistically and positionally. And you say, Like a a lot of people are hurting for third base right now. If a team ranked ahead of you has a third baseman on their bench that you can use, that's better than what's on the wire, make an offer for that, right? Because you're not necessarily making them that much better, or at least not as much better as you're going to get, right? Like they might get a little better, but you're getting, as long as you get more juice than they do, it's fine, Mm -hmm. right? Because you can make other moves, so you can outmanage him. You can do a lot of things. So I'm willing to trade with contenders, but I'm very picky about it. Right. I gotta feel like I'm getting more boost, even if not, I'm not getting more like quote unquote value. Mm-hmm. Because you know, in a vacuum, this guy's worth more. It ain't no vacuum. It's August. Right. Right. I have a very specific team context, and I think I will get more standings gain in this trade than you will. So I'll pull the trigger. Right. I ain't afraid to get in second, folks. Like mm. I'm trying I'm trying to get as high in the standings as I can. Right. Right. And if the way, only way for me to get in second is to make a trade with the guy in first, if I don't, if I'm not currently in second, I'll absolutely do that. I will absolutely trade with the guy in first and know that it might make him impossible to catch if I think I can go from fourth to second. Mm. Because at least then I'm in striking range. And what if, you know, what if that manager has some bad luck, some injuries, or makes a bad move? Or the trade works out really heavily in your favor. You can catch them. Don't be afraid, right? Especially in redraft where you just have very limited trade partners. The bottom of your league is just not looking to trade because they're checked out. They don't like they're out of contention at this point. Right. And for a lot of folks, they have like almost a moral obligation not to trade.
0: Right. Yeah. And
1: your league can get real weird and veto about oh, yeah. trades with guys that are not in contention. So you can make the trade with people ahead of you. Right. Just make sure you're going to get more juice Mm -hmm. and not not just more again, not more auction dollars earned. Right. Like off of a projection calculator. No, no, no. I mean, standings points. Right. Look at your standings. If you need you know, if you're looking at your team, go, Okay, I'm I'm weak in saves. Don't you not just that you're weak in saves. Go and look at how many saves you need to get a certain number of points. Right. This is a very important strategic thing that you have to do. You need to look at the standings and not just say, I'm low in saves, so I should get more saves. Because what if the gap between the seventh and eighth, you know, if you're an eighth in saves, but you're 20 behind the guy in seventh, you ain't make like that. You have to do a lot of work. I mean, 20 (laughs) is an exaggeration, but that's a lot of work to get one point. Right. One lousy roto point. What are you going to give up for that point, too? Right by slamming Kyle Finnegan and uh, you know some other closure you haven't really heard of till now into your roster. What starters are you sitting? Are you losing WHIP? Are you losing ERA now? Are you losing K's? If you lose two points in K's to get that one point in saves, you haven't done anything good for yourself.
0: Hmm.
1: Right, you're behind now. Don't hyper focus on I'm bad in this category because in some cases, if you're last in that category and you're not close to the next worst, just keep abandoning it. Because you like, it's just going to be easier. Whereas in other situations, you'll see this a lot with saves and stolen bases, but you can see it in any stat, really. You go and look and you go, oh, wow, I'm really tightly packed with the guys in fourth, fifth, and sixth in steals, right? We're all separated by three steals. I bet I can get four more steals than the rest of these guys for the rest of the season
0: if I sure do this, in this. Sure you can.
1: Yeah, and there's four rankings points with a lot less effort than you would have had to for that save scenario, mm-hmm. right? that's where you get the. if you look and you're like oh man it's like i'm i'm fourth in obp but if i could just raise it by two hundredths of a point just by focusing on a couple high obp players i could move up two standing points there and sustain it that's what you do that's the attack because even though you wouldn't think you need to get more of it because you're in fourth if those two spots above you are ripe for the taking go and try to get them right Mm -hmm. don't just look at the places that you're bad look at the places where there's the most to gain with the least amount of effort start there
0: right. figured it would be a good uh time to just talk a couple of minutes about trading in fantasy leagues since uh this is a show that takes place on mlb trade deadline day uh any sh- surprises or any other last uh trades that uh, you want to talk about i mean uh carlos radon uh Giants were uh, listening, you know, and it makes sense because he could opt out at the end of this year. Uh, Any surprises as to you know some guys that ended up being on the block or you know some moves that were made? Red Sox were kind of weird that they traded for Tommy Pham, uh, then gave up Christian Vasquez, and then picked up Hosmer and a, I guess a couple of. Uh, uh, they did the uh, the Padres a favor. Yeah, they bought those prospects from yeah, the Padres. Yeah, yeah. They they literally purchased them. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right, like <laughs> like yeah. they sent Eric Hosmer and a bag of balls <laughs> and a bunch of prospects right. for essentially cast consideration.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: So, uh, I, you know, I think some of the some of the bigger surprises again, the Guardians not making a move blows my mind.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: at least try to make the playoffs, guys. Like even if right. you don't think you can win it all, you don't want to, You don't feel like going to the playoffs. Like, come on, like the, that, the AL central is, is very, very ripe for anyone to win it except for the tigers and Royals. Mm-hmm. And like, if you're the guardians, I, I just don't see how you pass up that opportunity. It's not like you have like a bunch of guys on the IL that are going to come back and give you a boost. Right. Because that's what you're going to hear from a lot of the teams that didn't do a lot of things. Right. How weird, like it would, it would have been so natural for the Padres to end up saying, we're not making a move because we've got Tatis coming back. Right, that's better than a trade. Yeah. Then they went and did the biggest trade in in trade deadline history. But you're going to hear a lot of that coming from some of these managers, right? Yeah. Like, you know, or we didn't want to mortgage our future. We didn't get the offers we like. You know, you know Gregory Soto remaining in Detroit. Yet they were able to move Robbie Grossman. See yeah. that Robbie Grossman trade to me is what kind of sets me off because it's a great trait the tigers getting anything for Robbie Grossman a guy who's been extremely disappointing slugging 282 right bat you know batting average is terrible oh that's bad, is terrible right? mm-hmm. he, i mean he's just been bad mm-hmm. right so like they were able to move him for an actual prospect with an interesting pitch like mm-hmm. the guy the the guy they picked up uh he throws a nice slider according to Trevor Hoof, right like they got a nice slider for Robbie Grossman like, I, I was surprised if they'd get a ham sandwich
0: with mayonnaise on. It, hey, the Yankees right? were able to trade Gallo, who was batting one sixty. Right? I mean, you know,
1: and get Clayton Beater. Clayton Beater's not mm-hmm. some nobody prospect. He's not mm-hmm. some thirty five plus graded nineteen year old. Right. right? He's like a second round draft pick two years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, he's he's got some electricity. Right? You know, this is a guy that that actually is something. They got something without worsening their major league roster because they didn't know what the heck to do with Gallo anyway. Although I, you know, and I'm and I'm glad they were able to do it because there are personal reasons that teams will trade guys, right? If you remember a couple of years ago, I, this was like the most famous example. Stephen Piscotty got traded, it
0: well, yeah, uh,
1: because he wanted to be closer to his mom going mm-hmm. through a very serious illness, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm I'm sure that part of like there is some of that to the Joey Gallo story, right? Like, they begged for anything, right? Yeah. Uh, they were like, please let us send this guy out. Yeah, and, I mean- and to be fair, to Joey Gallo's credit, even if he can't become the hitter that he was, up until this season, he had been a plus defender in the outfield yes. for the Texas Rangers.
0: Right. So and and for, good on the bases too, uh, and yeah. obviously you know previously a, a a perennial forty homer guy, and you know uh, it, he gave an interview to the Athletic and he made no excuses. He said, "Look, I just haven't gotten it done." You know, you really f- feel watching him play every day. You really feel bad for the guy. So I'm I'm wishing uh, the best for him. With yeah, the absolutely.
1: And you know, honestly, the Dodgers last year they carried you know the the pinch hitting dead weight of Albert Pujols mm-hmm. to a whole bunch of wins in a, de- you know, and, and a good season, right. They can absolutely do that with Joey Gallo, except the upside is considerably higher,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right. Would it be that weird for us to see Joey Gallo go on a heater for the month of August
0: or September no, and hit 10 home
1: runs? And you That's know what? Ne- next year when minute. they
0: take away the, uh, the shift, the guy might be 20 to 30. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: The guy hasn't had a
0: single since team started shifting, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but like,
1: so, so that, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. So I I think, you know, obviously the Cubs not making any moves is surprising. I like Xander Bogarts have no idea what the Red Sox are really trying to accomplish. If mm-hmm. anything,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right. It almost, it almost felt like they were just sort of bored. And got on their computer and Which, like yeah. offered some trades just to see what would happen, right? <laughs>
0: right.
1: Like very fantasy managery, right? Yeah. Just like just throw, you know, you've had a couple drinks, so you throw some trades out there, right? And some of them get accepted randomly. You wake up the next morning, you forgot you'd offer them in the first place. And you're like, <laughs> oh, I guess I have Tommy Fam now. <laughs> right? Like that, that's kind of how that feels. But um,
0: you and know, who's I, that player to be named later that we're gonna send? We gotta got some work to do. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so. <laughs> You know, obviously, you know, there's, there's a lot of big real life winners as far as fantasy implication, obviously the, the big winners are going to be guys who get everyday roles, right? Mm -hmm. Um, this would be a heck of a time for Akil Badu to turn it back on, right? With Robbie mm-hmm. Grossman gone, there is an open spot in that outfield. I'm not saying you should go pick him up because he's just been absolutely dreadful, but I'm not doing this podcast without mentioning Akil Badu. <laughs> so, uh, so that, you know, that matters. I'm thrilled Scoobal wasn't traded because it makes me sound like not an idiot when I sat here last week and said there's absolutely no way he's being traded and that he's only being floated so that people will pick up the phone. Mm. The Braves picked up the phone. And took Robbie Grossman, of all people, right? Like, okay, I, no know you, you I know you pulled up on
0: School but can I interest you in a little Robbie Grossman? <laughs>
1: I mean, it's it's like, you know, it yeah. seems like there's not a fit for School but I got this other thing, and you could certainly use someone who's good against left-handed pitching now that you've lost Adam Duvall. Yeah, kick the tires on this Robbie yeah. guy. You you Do you want a pinch hitter against righties or against lefties for free? Mm-mm. Send us someone you don't want. Mm-hmm. I mean, just with any redeemable quality, and it happened. Good for them. Batting three sixty four against left
0: handed pitching this season.
1: Robbie that's Grofe why. Did. That's why Atlanta makes that deal. It's not because they think he's going to hit hard. It's because they have a very specific use for him, mm-hmm. and probably no room for the starting pitcher that they gave up, or right. no confidence. Right. So, I mean, that's how it works. Uh, you know, I, I think Paul Spore had a you know had a really good take on the trade deadline, and that's the one the one fantasy take to ignore from all this are those people that just say shoulda got more
0: right yeah i saw that tweet yes yeah, yeah.
1: and and it's it's good advice not only for real baseball but fantasy baseball mm-hmm. there's a lot of folks out there i find that are really worried about losing their tr- like losing the trade in the course of public opinion but like the only people who give a damn about your trade are the other 10 to 14 people in your league right and you don't care if they think you won or not right in fact, they can all think you lost the trade for all you care. All that matters is where you end up in the standings. Mm-hmm. I can't preach this enough. If you think the trade makes your team better. Yeah, sure. Go check around. But if, if the advice you get from someone is simply, I think you can get more. That's not advice. That's a cop out. Right? Like, I know that for me, a minimum is saying like, there might be more here, but this is what I think of the deal as is. Right? And when you say like, oh, can I get more? If they can't tell you what kind of more, that means you're not getting advice, mm-hmm. right? A lot of folks are going to be asking for advice from various fantasy analysts, their friends, whoever, right? It's it's okay to disagree with someone, but just don't be that person that always just says, should have got more. Right. Should have got more. Because that's not anything. That's not that's not telling us anything. Well, the, the you know, the not should have got more. There wasn't more. They, like- this more ignores the fact that every trade market has a finite cap on the amount of resources available.
0: I actually think the Nets got a pretty good return. They got
1: as good of a trade package as, as yeah. could have been possible. If it mm-hmm. feels light, it's because Juan Soto probably shouldn't be traded. Mm-hmm. But, he, but in real baseball, you have considerations like he turned down half a billion dollars. Right. Right. So that matters. But in fantasy baseball, we don't have those same kind of issues. Right. We don't have to worry about whether our guy is going to resign. Right. Like, because we're either going to pay the price to get them or not. We have a very one way thing. So you don't have to worry about those things. So don't worry about whether, you know, oh, I won the trade, or lost trade, find out if, if you feel like you have to trade this player, get the best thing you can get. Even if everyone says you could get more, you could get more in some other league but you're in your league right if that's a move you have to make if that's the only way you can get saves steals runs a third baseman whatever it is do it do it and ab- and don't look back right it's not just that flags fly forever it's that don't be par- you know don't get the par- you know paralysis by analysis right don't be the whole well I guess I could get more if that if you truly believe that's the best offer and it's you know it's within the within a range of tolerance right Go ahead and pull it off if you think that's what moves you up in the standings.
0: Mm. All right, good show today, Scott. Good talking to you. A really, really fun day in baseball. One of my favorite days of the year of the baseball in baseball. I, I love today. Obviously, I love opening day, and hopefully this December we could have winter baseball meetings. You know, normal. Uh, interactions you know between covid and the lockout whatever it's just that's that's another a fun fun week of 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 baseball for me so uh great stuff from you great analysis there scott uh slams lid on things for today follow me at joe galina follow that guy scott chu at if the chu fits check out uh the hitters list that he puts out it comes out every Wednesday Scott or Thursday
1: yep Wednesday afternoon
0: yep yep. Um, and first pitch podcast of course right Um, subscribe to our podcast Uh, leave us a a review and uh, as always we hope that all of your fantasies become realities and we'll see you next time